Um, welcome back to the construction game. Um, today we're lucky enough to have Jason. It's Cooney, isn't it, Jason? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah from from the tender team. Now, Jason uh, reached out to me and um, inquired about coming on the podcast, and uh, I think it's really relevant that um, he has a background in his in his business, and he'll fill us in a little bit as I ask a few questions around tendering. And I I just think that. Um, the space that we have at the moment with what's going on in construction, in residential and probably the lower end of commercial and from a lot of people who listen to this is that um, tendering is becoming a really good avenue for us to get some extra jobs and some safe jobs through government work or through council work or whatever it is. Um, but it's I know for a fact it's not a space that a lot of our listeners and a lot of people that I know just spend a lot of time in and a little bit scared by it. Um, so thanks for coming on, Jace. Cheers, thanks for having me. Uh, mate, so we'll start off, just a bit of background, um, where you grew up. Um, I always like to sort of let everyone know who, who they're listening to. So just a bit about background, where you grew up, mate, and where you've got yourself to today. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I grew up in Sydney, but I spent a lot of time um, down on the New South Wales south coast. Um, so fishing and all that sort of thing was my game. Um, and I... I mean, I finished uni and got a job as a tender writer, as an in-house role. Um, and then about two years after that, I started consulting. Um, and so, yeah, I've been kind of like a freelance consulting tender writer ever since. Yeah, right. Eh? Uh, what led That's you to story. yeah? What led you to tender writing, mate? It's a it's a it's a different field to sort of end up in. So, yeah. <laughs> um, well, essentially, what happened was I the job that I first started um, wasn't a tendering role. But a tender came in and um, I was the kind of foolish volunteer that said, yep, I'll, I'll work on that. Um, so it just kind of evolved. I, um, I kept on getting all the tenders to do. So I essentially in that role became a tender writer. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. I enjoy kind of working on different bids and different industries and speaking with different people. So it was fun. Um, so I've, yeah, I've never changed. I just stayed in it, essentially. Okay. And how many years have you been doing that for? Uh, for... 14. Yeah, okay. All right. So, now. so, so you've seen a full – running for 14 years. Yeah, you've now seen a full cycle of uh, if a industry goes through. You know, we talk about five-year cycles within construction and 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 you've now mm. been through sort of nearly three of those, which is um, really good. So what's been the biggest change, mate? Um, you know, I, I'm assuming putting tenders in 10 years ago to doing it now, there's got to be a massive difference. Yeah, there are. Um, I would say a little bit of increase – competition and a lot more formality. So what that means is in the old days, you would, um, it'd be a lot more casual. Um, you know, I'd have people that they'd be speaking with the construction supervisor from council about what they need to put in their tender because um, they'd been dealing with them for the last 10 years. Um, and it was a bit more flexible if you made an error. So yeah, back in the day, say 12 years ago, you forgot to attach a work health and safety document and they'd say, please resubmit it. And these days, it's a lot more strict. It's more formalised. Procurement's more process driven. So they're they're a lot more formal, a lot more strict, and you can lose for minor things a lot easier, unfortunately. Mm, right. So it's it's um, a bit of a tick of the box, and if you're not there, you're sort of you're you're fighting against it. And I I know it's a busy space. Yeah. I know that um, you know the work for tendering at the moment's become a really busy space. Uh, even one of our businesses, we've we've been out there tendering, and we haven't done that for the last five or six years. So, um, you know, I, I, I a quick question for you: I like using a consultant as a tender to do tenders for you. 
to me, it's attractive because I, I get scared of that space. I think, oh my God, you know, it's all that work and you, there's, what's the chances of you getting it? Yeah. Um, j- just give me an idea, sort of what, what sort of your main clients, because everyone listening to this are probably in your small to medium sort of pushing it, you know, around that space with, with, um, in the construction game. Um, is it something that yeah. they could utilize? Yeah, sure. About probably 60% of our clients would be small to medium size. It might be sort of like five employees or, or even two and a couple of subcontractors. Um, and they would, um, you know, usually be going for a local council contract. Some of them have held the contract for the last 10 years and just don't want to lose it because that's their revenue. Um, and other ones would be, you know, like saying, okay, I'm doing a lot of resi work. How good would it be to win a council contract? So they, they kind of want to go for it. Um, and I'd say the remainder of our clients are just the complete big end of town, T1 builders. Mm. They're tendering all the time and they just bring us on when they need extra personnel. But they've also got their own employees and teams riding on riding tenders. Yeah, right. So it's, it's, you know, the two extremes. Um, but most of the time, if it's like a medium company, like medium-sized builder or tradie, they'll have one person um, riding tenders for them in-house. And they won't they won't need us, and um, it's a lot more cost efficient and more effective to have someone as a full time employee. Okay, just, just just so we can get our head around it. So, how how does it work? I mean, let's say, look, I, I've got a tender that I'm I'm interested in in applying for. It's it's in sort of our scope of what we can achieve. How, how does the engagement with you work? Um, they would um, you use you'd send it through. And you'd say, oh, okay, I'm thinking of going for this tender. And usually we have a chat to make sure that you've actually got a chance of winning it. So, you know, there are requirements of any tender around experience, CVs, personnel, licenses, work health and safety documentation. So you don't want to waste your time going for a tender that you're not going to at least have a chance of winning. Um, and then we'd usually have a chat about it, come back and provide you with like a fixed price quote saying this is how much it will cost. Um, but we'll need to see what documentation you've got because the more lower the, the cost is of our quote. Um, and then we'll suck all the information out of you and turn that into a kind of compliant tender. Um, that usually takes a couple of weeks back and forth. Yeah, righto. It's um, it's interesting, and I, I know this is going to sound like a really weird question, but what's the strike rate like, mate? I mean, is it is it something that you you feel quite confident with, like when you're when you're putting tenders out for people? Uh, I'd say it depends, but to give you an idea, um, let's say that the hardest tender that the client has, you know, some chance of winning. And we would say, yes, go for it. But let's say our lowest probability tender to win, I would probably say strike rate about 20%. Mm-hmm. So winning one from five. Yep. Um, for, an, for a client that rings us up and goes, this on hold it for the last 20 years. They like us. We've got all the reporting in the box seat. We're going to price it really competitively. Um, so, you know, we'll give it a crack, but we just need your help. They usually run at about 95%. And it's usually because... You know, they think that the client loves them, but they've got a bit of complacency has crept in or there's an issue. Yeah. Um, but I'd say, you know, if, you, if you're giving yourself a decent chance, you're picky about which tenders you go for, um, we would probably say 35 to 40% strike rate. Okay. Four out of 10. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, it's it's good. I mean, it, I, I'm putting it out there at the moment, and and for everyone who's listening to this, I, I we all know that there's across the country that we've got builders who are getting themselves stuck financially and are falling over left, right, and centre. Um, and I sat in a meeting the other day, and someone asked me, you know, what's the forecast look like with builders? And I, I honestly, and I'm usually pretty good at reading this. I, at the moment, I just don't know because they you're dealing with people who one minute they're paying the bills, the next minute they're closing up. So you're getting stuck 
So if you've been working in that residential space and things aren't going, and I look, we, I know I speak to people who use our software system, BaseApp, a lot, and you know their revenues come off a fair bit from where they were uh, this time last year. So they look, they've got to start looking at different avenues, and you know the safe space is government money, um, without a doubt. Yeah. And you know, but as you've just pointed out, is they need to be streamlined. So. I'm talking about everyone at the moment. You need to change and everyone doesn't want to change the way they do business. Now, we push this with our software and and you're a classic probably um, add-on to that is that, you know, you need to change the way you structure and the way you can, you, you've got your business set up in the back end. So it's very streamlined. So as you said before, you've got reporting systems and all that. So when you go to get these government tenders and use someone like yourself that you're ready to go, how... So that that leads me to yeah. This leads me to this question: Is you deal with a lot of these small businesses? How ready are they to go to tender? Like their business structures? I would say seventy seven seven out of ten. Usually, the ones that have got like a it might be their wife or secretary or whoever niece nephew um, that's doing all the books and the reporting and documentation. If they've got that base or they've got a software program with that base. Um, then usually they're they're seventy percent ready, and anything that the tender requires that's additional. For example, a tender council might say we need a you know we need a report, we need a photo report. <laughs> We're expecting your guys to come out with an app after they've done any maintenance work on our plumbing or whatever it may be. Take a picture and send the report to council. If there's software required for that, what we'll do is just scramble to get some kind of demo software together, and at least present that they've got the systems in place for the tender, we're going to have to implement it. Mm. Um, but I'd say about 70%. And sometimes a lot of the stuff they've got, they've created over the years, but they're not organized. So, you know, they might have had a whole lot of swims, JSAs, everything, but it's scattered and it's not centralized and organized. So the better organized they can get, especially from licenses, insurances, safety documents, environmental, um, it's all there, but it's not kind of organized and coordinated. Mm. That's what's mostly the case. Mm. I agree. I, I mean, I see it every day, and it, it's it's the one thing I've always said is tradesmen generally go into business because they're good at a trade. They're th- that's what yep. their skill set is, and that's where they need to spend most of their time. And they need to find systems like this. They need to find software systems like BaseApp that's really uh, good at what it does, and does it really easily. But then also use people like yourselves and consultants to do this work and, and oh, I'm, I, they're not going to like me saying this, but yeah, they're usually pretty tight and they don't want to give up a percentage to, to, for someone to actually win something for them. But it's it, the chances of them getting something instead of a, a bit of nothing, um, are greater. So, yeah. yeah. So idea of what does it cost to, to get a tender written up, Jase? Uh, I'm assuming it's a, a council tender, um, say, let's just assume it's a council tender to uh, provide electrical maintenance on council buildings for a three-year contract, mm-hmm. and the tradie has got some documentation, a website, some basic CVs. They send us through a few licenses, WHS. We have to create maybe a quality assurance or a QMS system or something for them. Um, so that would be like your standard situation. It would probably cost... For the first tender, somewhere around the $4,000 mark. Mm-hmm. And um, for future tenders, two, somewhere between two and three, Yeah, okay. Um, depending on how different it is. I mean, one thing I would say is once we create a tender properly 
that it, it becomes a time aspect on your next tender. Like a trader can can do it himself based on what we've created because they can tailor it. They can see what we've done. It's all tailored and they can tailor it and they might even just come back to us for a few questions that they don't know how to answer that are new or different or need amendment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's about, yeah, between, you know, ballpark's about $4,000. Yeah, okay. And, and, and you're, you know, you're looking at a, a tender that's worth, you know, three or $400,000. Um, you know, or even yeah. two hundred. Hey, hey, at it, a minimum. Yeah, yeah, at a minimum. Yeah, yeah. even if it's fifty grand, and, and it costs you four grand to win it, it's it's money well spent. You know, um, and I, I really encourage anyone listening to this. I think it's something you need to start looking at, and don't be scared to get into that government space. Once you're in it, it's actually really and and you're organised. It runs right. pretty smoothly. Yeah, it's it's just the unorganised people that'll get stuck. So, you know, if you're, yeah, yeah, most definitely. yeah, you just got your back end, they pay their invoices if you've done the work and you've reported properly, et cetera, et cetera. So no, that's great, mate. Yeah. Um, and look, I'm going to push this. I mean, we'll, we'll push this, uh, this podcast out there and, and hopefully some people will get in contact and they'll reach out to you when all your contacts will be on our, on our webpage, et cetera, socials. Um, but what's, okay, what's, what's the, uh, the dream for this tender team, mate? Where, where are we heading as a business? What's, uh, what's the long-term vision? Um, I'd say we're, we've got a team of five, so we think uh, up to a team of 12 would be about the maximum. Um, and I'd also say probably just um, keep focusing on clients. that We get a lot of clients in regional areas that we really enjoy servicing. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say there's anything wrong with clients in the city, but you know, like <laughs> it's um, been a bit of an adventure in that sense. Yeah. Um, so I'd say keep focusing on that. Um, the joy of winning them... You know, clients obviously get really enthusiastic when they've won their first bid or even their tenth bid. Um, or retaining bids is, is contracts is really really exciting to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, a lot of the time you've got traders that are family businesses, right? Um, and so you know, they've got nieces, nephews, apprentices that have been with them for years, and so it's kind of emotional. Um, so I'd say probably just keep our quality control going as well. Don't grow massively, um, but a little bit more. And um, and keep focus on winning bids. That's our kind of five, at least our five year plan. Okay, good. And you cover everywhere in Australia. It's not. It's not a, just a Sydney thing. This is it, eh? No, no, no. Everywhere in Australia, yeah. most definitely. Yeah. Um, so we've done I would, a lot of tenders in Darwin um, and in Northern Territory. Yep. Um, I don't know how that happened, but we just kind of got through referrals and so forth around NT, yep. um, Western Australia, Tasmania. So yeah, they, I'd say probably those. Those areas are a bit more exciting, um, but they're all different and challenging. And every regional area, every state has its own preferences when it comes to tendering. So okay. Some might care about Indigenous. Some would be, you know, more focused on disability. Some would be about jobs. You know, Victoria's very much focused on economic development and local jobs and so forth. So it's all about tailoring it to the different area where you're living, depending on the council, depending on the state government. Hmm. It's it's interesting. You just mentioned the NT. Um, so, it, in, is that just been in in all sorts of grant space, not just construction, or? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah we've done yeah uh, construction, professional services, accountants, lawyers up in NT. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, different. I, I mentioned I mentioned earlier we're we're trying to get our software system, our base, app out into the communities up there, and. Um, it's a it's a it's a different world and and software and um, any any money that's been spent in the NT and I I've actually got a couple of our clients who I've encouraged to go up that way because there's a lot of opportunity at the moment um, 
But having having said that, it's it is a very very big audit process through the NT government. A lot of stuff needs to be uh, captured and justified. Um, are you finding that a lot with their tendering as well? That's what they're looking for job outcomes, but also give us some evidence back. Um, yeah, most definitely. But um, they've got like for example, even in the construction process. Um, for tradies, uh, like we do the maintenance, we've got a client who's working on maintenance tenders for um, NT housing. Um, and, you know, they've got hold points throughout the construction projects, projects that are a lot, or any maintenance works, and their hold points are a lot more extensive um, than they would be in New South Wales and so forth. Um, so well, we are finding that. It's kind of the norm up there. Um, and But it's, it's okay. I mean, usually when you're pricing it in, you know, we'd advise clients that, there's going to be a bit more time when you're working on an NT tender in terms of compliance with the government requirements and the recording and the back end admin of managing the contract. Mm-hmm. Um, but economically, it still checks out. So yeah. it's well worth it, and it's a really good market. Yeah, it's it's um it's it's a great market. I've I think there's a, there's a lot of opportunity up that way. But I mean, look, there's opportunity everywhere, and especially for the people who listen to this and you, you're small to medium, you you the mum and dad businesses think they they can't get into that government space and you've clearly stated and shown here that they can do it and I, and I encourage I encourage them that that diversification of income stream coming into your business is something you need to look at don't just rely on residential builders to supply you just start looking outside it because there'll be skill sets that you have it that you're already having your business that you can you can apply for these these tenders that are out there number one I, I know it's you've got to know where to look to find them but that's that's the easy bit. I think the hard bit's actually winning them, and and as you've just pointed out, JC, is winning them is putting the right things on the paper and presenting it the right way because they're just tick and flicking in some ways. If it's got to stack up, if it stacks, we'll look at you and we'll go to the next step. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah so- that's exactly right. And also, I'd say there are um, uh, some of the contracts are like three and five years, mm. so you're not just winning a job; you're winning like three years worth of income with the. Ex- potential to extend it mm. one year and then another year if they extend. So it's good for business security. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's, and it's just a scare factor with everyone. I, I, I honestly, I, I know from, I mean, I'm in, I'm in that case, I've been there is that you just think, Oh, look, I can't, it's only for the big guys is to get into that government area. Um, they sort of make it when you get your tender documents documents in, you probably get a little bit bamboozled by it. And um, I think a service like yours is outstanding. And I, I, I encourage everybody just, you know, what, why go through the stress yourself? Just spend a little bit of money, make the effort, get into the space. And once you've done one or two or three, it's just a matter of just keep banging them out there. You're going to score at some point, I think. Yeah. Y- yeah. yeah. I think you hit an owl on the head. Yeah. Um, and, and not to be intimidated, it looks, you know, when you get a 100-page tender document, you you know, when they release their RFP, 25 of those pages are the standard contract that are kind of irrelevant. So when you get, when you strip it all back, you've only got 12 or 15 pages to answer. Mm. So it sounds a lot. And a lot of clients are saying, oh, we've got this big tender, we're thinking around it. And then we look at it and we're like, oh, it's just a, like, $1,000 job. It's pretty straightforward. It's a minor works. It's no big deal. Um, you know, we can do it within seven days. They're, surpri- they're surprised by that. Yeah, that's good. So what looks like a big intimidating tender document might be one of the small ones, so to speak. Yeah, good. Uh, and I think that's probably the biggest hurdle is people just get scared by it and having someone like yourself getting out there and, and even just being having the, the initiative to to get on a podcast and tell people about it. Um, you know, I, I, I think we'll, we'll use a service like yours in, in our construction business side of things without a doubt. 
um, because we're, we're diversifying. We, we can see that we just need to have other income streams coming in just to make us a little bit more stable. And as you said, if I can, we can win a contract that runs for three years, well, you know, it's, it just gives you that bit of security. And there's a lot out there. There's absolutely heaps. And you, yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. For things you wouldn't imagine, yeah, for, for, for works that, you know, like sometimes an Australian government, the federal government can release a tender for works on Crown land and it might just be from a landscaping perspective, you know, yearly maintenance of the lighting in the landscape, and you wouldn't even think of it. <laughs> um, and you look at it like, oh, I'm not going to go for a federal government tender for, you know, the, the crown land tender. But when you like go down to it, it's the local local electrician that's servicing the lighting in the national park nearby their home. Yeah. So it's worth having a crack at. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, I think it's great. Um, yeah, look, I, I, we, we could we could go on and on for hours about it, mate. But um, you know, we, we've got to make this something that someone can listen to into a car and, and not get lost for too long. So, um, so thanks, Jace. I, I, I've been a really good chat, and I, I think it's interesting. And as as I've said a couple of times already, I, I, this tendering space for the for for our tradesmen is something they need to really look at and. I hope they they'll reach out. Um, as I said before, we'll leave your contact details and and your business details on all our socials. Um, so yeah, mate, thanks so much for for reaching out. And um, yeah, I'll, we'll, we'll get you back on the podcast one day. Thanks, Jason.